0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems.
1: And now, here are the doctors.
0: Well, John, we are roaring into spring here. I mean, we got uh, pollen starting
1: that's a sure sign you it get is. in get in your vehicle and you see a, a yellow haze yeah and it is starting
0: you know? I think uh, this weekend it's it's really gonna gonna hit you know gonna yeah. hit critical mass there but uh, but I'll take it if it means warmer weather yeah, you know it, and I'm'm I'm, I'm loving this weather
1: it's a sign of the times we've got the masters coming up I know uh, you right. know not as many um, you know patrons there but uh, still it's exciting uh, we gosh a year ago. I think they were just canceling the Masters at this point based on the coronavirus, so different feel this year. Yeah, now a lot of
0: people are getting vaccinations, you know, I I hear a lot of talk of vacations again, so Mm -hmm. I mean, I think spring has really sprung here, so I'm I'm excited, I'm excited. It's a great time of the year, great time of the year, more golf, that's (laughs) right, and speaking of exciting, we have a couple great topics to talk about today. Now this one is is not exactly fun, but it it is something important. Oh, I was
1: really looking forward to this one, Steve. Thank (laughs) you. It's
0: not vacations, (laughs) my favorite topic of all times, but it is is tax traps. It's Social Security and Medicare tax traps. You gotta avoid these. You know, there's a couple pretty deep potholes you can fall into if you aren't careful. So you know it is tax season, so we're just trying to educate you out there, so you don't fall into one of these.
1: Yeah, and if you don't fall into the tax trap, Steve, you can have more money to take vacations. True, right? That's exactly I mean, right. It all circles good.
0: back to vacation and golf, <laughs> doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. And then we're going to switch gears and uh, talk about a, a a really interesting topic. This is a there's an analyst for uh, Morningstar um great uh great article this guy's been doing uh market uh analysis stock market analysis since 1988 so just decades of experience really solid understanding of the markets and um he writes on his experience about being overconfident in 2020 and how it cost him and, and that, uh you and that's
0: know, such a common theme it, we it see really too. is it <clears> is <throat> so yeah. we'll,
1: we'll dive into that and um share with you his story a little bit and we'll add we'll add some to it obviously yeah
0: great lessons learned there yeah by the way i'm steve marbert i'm a certified financial planner and a dave ramsey smart investor pro with over 25 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years.
0: We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, go check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. Also, a lot of really good tools. The prescription this week is going to be around retirement planning. And, uh, Steve, we have a retirement plan calculator out there. People can go out and, and key that in. We have people that right. use that periodically. And uh, so a lot of good tools out there. And we also have a Facebook page, Money MD. So go check that out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of stuff on our website. So you want to look at that. You can also link to us there, and you can send us your questions. We'll talk about those right here on the show. So we'd love to hear from you. So send us your questions. Link to us. On the website, but we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week.
1: Yeah, this comes from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, and boy, I tell you, 2020, the uh, the economy really suffered. Um, it, the yeah. U.S. economy was down 3.5%. See, that was the largest drop our nation has experienced since 1946. Yeah, so, it doesn't
0: sound like much, but, but boy, I mean, that was something in the second quarter of last year when we just totally locked down the economy.
1: Yeah, if you went through all the the litany of um, struggles from uh, the loss of human life to what the economy did to shutdowns to unemployment and, and equated that to a positive stock market in 2020, no right. one would have bought that, right? No one
0: would have guessed that, yep. exactly. So it just shows you how unpredictable it is and how things can unfold in ways that you don't expect. So, but that's a great fact. though. I mean, down three and a half percent. That's a pretty serious contraction, pretty serious recession by any economic standards. Um, so, but yeah, hey, the good news is we're coming out of that for yes, sure. Yes, we yeah, are. We're, we're, we're projecting a great recovery this year and in probably the best GDP growth we've seen in a very, very long time. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that is... The good news, and that leads us up here to our first topic, though, and that is Social Security and Medicare tax traps. John, this is based on an article from Bearings very recently. Um, But, you know, most people don't realize it, but Social Security and Medicare, they do have some significant tax and premium traps that you can fall into. And so we want to help you avoid that. But if you're drawing Social Security and you're over age 65 with Medicare, You know, then you have some, they have to be very careful about managing your your adjusted gross income and making sure you don't get bit by one of these tax or premium traps. Um, And they have a pretty good example here, John. There's a lady in this article that found this out the hard way, unfortunately. Susan, she was a widow, and um, she saw her monthly premiums jump nearly 70% last year. To $559 a month. For wow. Part B and Part D. It's a big number. That's a big number, you know. Um, and it was after she'd been a widow, found herself widowed for two years, um, but she found herself in a higher tax bracket as a single taxpayer. And she felt like she was being punished for being a widow, quite frankly, and, you know, having to file single.
1: Yeah. So Medicare uh, has a series of income limits, and uh, that triggers a higher payment for retirees, and it's it's not just the rich who affected her. Modified uh, adjusted gross income was, was very good at $163,000, 163, uh, and she had you know required minimum distributions from IRAs, she had social security income, and then she had her husband's pension, and that was just enough to put her in the second highest Medicare bracket, which began at 163000 just a little bit over that, and it really increased her premium by 70%. That's a big, big jump.
0: Yeah, it really is. You know, most people don't realize that can happen. Um, but retirees, they face a, a multiple, uh, a, you know, level of income traps like this one that she fell into. And lower-income, in lower-middle-income retirees also get hit by the so-called tax torpedo as their income causes their Social Security benefits to be taxed at a higher rate or a higher level of their Social Security benefits to be taxed. And this isn't new. I mean, this has been going on for decades, but most retirees just simply aren't aware of it, you know. And the result is your marginal taxes on new income can gr- be as high as 40, over 40 percent. Yep. Um, and there's also, you know, capital gains taxes, which can go from 0 to 15 percent once you get around 106000 of gross income for a married couple or in the low 50s for a single person. You know, along with the Medicare surtax of of 0.9 percent, there's a net investment income tax of 3.8 percent on couples with incomes over $250,000. And as you go up the income ladder, I mean, there's a lot of tax potholes that you can step into. um, But these are just the Social Security Medicare tax. These two are particularly painful that we're talking about here today. And so while it's too late, you know, to make changes for your tax filing season last year. Um, You know, you can take steps to avoid or minimize these tax traps, and these include delaying spending from one year to the next um, or judiciously kind of tapping into your after-tax accounts to lower your taxable income um, in certain years, you know, but it really hurts when you cross over that line or that threshold to the next bracket, um, particularly with Social Security and Medicare And you say, you know, if I just hadn't sold those investments or I hadn't taken that money out of my IRA, then I wouldn't have to pay that surcharge.
1: Yeah. And another way people get into these tax traps is the required minimum distribution, also known as RMD. Uh, This happens when, you know, retirees are forced into tax traps because of a large RMD from a 401k or, um, you know, an IRA account, um, you know, RMDs are back for 2021. Uh, we got a reprieve in 2020. They were waived. Uh used to be seventy and a half um that you had to take them. But after the passage of the Secure Act a couple of years ago, the r m d is not required now until the age of seventy two. But you know when you have to take those, there are some some you know things that you can do um before and during, but uh, exactly. you have to take it out,
0: yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, so one of the things we suggest for people that are in that in a higher tax bracket, particularly, so once you're over 72, um, consider gifting your RMD mm-hmm. as a qualified charitable distribution to to a charity, um, you know, if you don't need the income. And that way it won't trigger the higher taxes or higher future Medicare premiums that we're talking about here. Um, so, you know, to do that, retirees have to just direct the distribution from your IRA directly to the charity. Um, so that's a great tool to use um, to help avoid these tra- traps, but for the greatest tax efficiency, um, you know, you got to be taking steps long before these tax torpedoes or Medicare income limits hit. You know, retirees in your your sixties they often pay little attention. You know, um, and they, well, sometimes they pay little or no taxes, and then they begin taking Social Security. And you know what happens is as they start taking money out of their IRA or or, or other taxable sources and maybe after-tax income, um, it triggers these taxes, these tax traps, particularly on Social Security. So the standard device is to kind of spend money, you know, from your your tax-free accounts before tapping your after ta- your tax-deferred accounts. Um, and then you can take advantage of the lower tax bracket to convert money yep. in tax deferred accounts to Roth IRA. Yeah, Roth
1: conversions—that's a good good strategy. It's a
0: really good tool, <laughs> yeah. And and so you know, and it's also advantageous to sell um, unrealized gains that are long term while you're in a lower tax bracket as well, because those are tax free in a lower tax bracket. But yeah, this Social Security tax torpedo, it can hit hard. Just let me give an example here. There's a guy named Rick, 79 year old retiree who has an income of about eighty-two thousand dollars a year, and he learned that recently when he prepared to take out a four thousand dollars out of his um, out of his IRA for a vacation with his wife, um, that you know it was going to kick in a lot of extra tax because their normal tax bracket was only twelve percent. But they had hit that income limit for avoiding Social Security taxes, and it meant that another $4,000 of income would, would cause $3,400 of Social Security to also be taxed as well. The result was their marginal tax bracket was going to go up to 22.2% instead mm-hmm. of
1: 12%. Yeah, and that, that really irritated Rick. Um, you know, he, he was frustrated. Uh, people in their uh, tax bracket— he thought it was pretty unfair, so they they did have a financial advisor and they they drew that money from a uh, Roth IRA and sold off a thousand dollars worth of uh, a, a stock position. They had a little, very minimal capital gain, and they dodged that tax torpedo, so they uh, avoided an eight hundred and eighty-eight dollar tax on their vacation. I mean, that's a big deal. And so retirees sure. earning more than than this face, um, and they face an even bigger torpedo. I mean, that 22% income tax bracket, you can see a marginal tax rate of, like you said, 40% because Social Security is taxed once you start hitting, you know, you start keying right. into certain income numbers. It's it's a big deal. It's a big number.
0: Yeah. I can see why that irked Rick. Yes. I really can.
1: <laughs> yeah, He was not a happy camper. Not
0: a happy camper. Yeah. That tax torpedo, I mean, it, it applies only to certain ranges of income. You know, I mean, the hardest hit are retirees who kind of derive a big portion of their income from social security, you know, such as a couple where the spouse is getting a, you know, big monthly benefit, you know, a couple receiving say 65,000 in social security benefits this year, they'll pay um, 40% tax on other income ranging from, you know, in that range from sixty dollars to $69,000. So it's kind of this income range mm-hmm. where every time you make an extra dollar, it throws 85 cents on the dollar yeah. of Social Security into the mix, you know, according to this uh, Baylor University professor who was kind of the head of research of Retiree, Inc. So, you know, th- you got to be careful there. And, and so what, what happens is that each dollar of income causes Social Security to be thrown in as well. And that's why they call it this tax torpedo. You know, it just kind of explodes on you. Um, but then there's also some income limits for Medicare premiums. The premiums are based on income and your filing status for retirees for, uh, for two years earlier. Um, so couples who <clears throat> who um, had a measure of income under uh, 176000 as a single taxpayer, $88,000 a year, Um, pay the basic Medicare premium of $148.50 per month for Part B, right? But after that, there are five income limits. that each trigger higher premiums. For a single person, you know, if you're really wealthy or you just have a big year, maybe you sold your, you know, vacation property or something, and if your income is above $500,000 or for a married couple it's $750,000, You'd pay $505 a month, basically, Mm -hmm. in Medicare premiums for Part B. Um, And you'd also pay extra for Part D, drug coverage. So there's some big gotchas there.
1: Yeah, the good news is that, you know, if you have a single year of high income, uh, it will push up the Medicare premiums, but it's only for a year. So if it's a one-time event... Like you mentioned, you know, capital gains that you recognize from maybe the sale of a business or your home, uh, your Medicare premium will fall back to its normal level after your income does. And, you know, retirees can also uh, petition for relief uh, or, you know, like an appeal from higher premiums because of life-changing events such as the uh, death of a spouse. So there is a a way to, to go through the process to get that lowered.
0: Yeah, that's right. So the point here, though, is, you know, there are some tricky potholes you could fall into with Medicare premiums and taxes on your Social Security income. So you need to be particularly careful when you start taking Social Security and Medicare that you don't allow your income to spike and adversely affect your premiums. You know, one, one important way to do that is to give yourself some flexibility in retirement, you know, and to build up assets in, in a tax-free Roth or in after-tax accounts, so that you have some options when it comes to income during retirement. You know, if you don't prepare well and you don't afford yourself that flexibility, you could find yourself being forced into a higher tax bracket when you need money out of your investments or in your retirement plan, uh, your 401k or IRA in retirement. Um, so, so to add insult to injury, though, you could also find yourself paying higher Medicare premiums as a result of hitting a higher income level. For even a year, so just be careful when you start taking Social Security and Medicare. Avoid these tax traps. Make sure you get some good advice before you make big financial moves and start taking money out of IRAs in retirement.
1: Yep, good one. So there you go. All
0: right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, this question has to do with HSAs. And it's like I just uh, changed jobs and I have access to an HSA. Can you tell me why it's such a good account and why I should use it? And I mean, there's there's multiple reasons. You get a tax benefit on the front end, so it lowers your income. Right. Um, and if you can put it in there, they normally uh, require you to keep a thousand or two thousand dollars in cash, but anything over that can go. And be invested. So it can be like an investment account has to be used on medical. um, But when you pull it out, if it's used on medical, then there's no taxes. It's the only account, Steve, that is tax free on the front end and tax free on the back end.
0: Yeah, it's like the combination of a Roth and an IRA together. You Mm -hmm. get the best of both of them, right? You get a tax deduction going in and then it's tax free coming out. I mean, it's just it's a beautiful thing. You know, you want to get as much in there if you qualify and then you want to leave it alone and let it grow because it grows tax free and you can take it out any time in the future as long as you just have some offsetting costs that you've documented yeah from the day you open the account keeping
1: the receipts keeping the receipts for <laughs> 10 years yeah. you
0: can still take the money out 10 years later out of your I have your HSA account, and it's tax-free.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. That's just
0: amazing, yeah, yeah, the benefits. So it's the best tax advantage investment on the planet, I believe. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is the perils of overconfidence.
1: Yeah, this is a a 2020 investment lesson from uh, John Reckenthaler. Um, He's a market analyst who's been doing this since 1988. He writes for Morningstar uh, if for you, for those of you that don't know Morningstar out there, it's a great website. We use it all the time. Um, just really good information. It's not, um, it's not political. It's uh, it's factual, and so just right. their their topics are really really good, really informational. And so this this guy, this gentleman John, has been doing this for a very long time. Knows the market very well. Um, believes in, you know, not timing the market and so forth, but he got a little overconfident, Steve, and it, uh, it hurt him. So, um, we're going to go through right. his kind of experience with this. And, you know, if you look back, uh, February the 19th of 2020, the S and P 500 closed at a record high, high, and then it dropped 34% over the next five weeks. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. It you was know, a big drop. It really was. So by late 2020, Japan, had announced that it would close schools um, for the following four weeks, and shortly thereafter, the Italian government locked down one-fourth of the, the country, and clearly, those stoppages you know, were going to be uh, you know, something that the rest of the world was going to follow. So, you know, such shut, shutdowns, he thought, would cause financial carnage, and it certainly did. Economists were, were talking mostly about the second quarter effects. But, but John, this, this gentleman, thought that the damage would linger uh, much longer, you know months if not years. And, and what's more, he knew, he understands the history, over the past century, the S&P 500 had declined by more than 30% on five occasions without once reaching its previous high within the next 18 months. So, sure, stocks would eventually rebound, like they always do, but surely it would uh, the process uh, would be very lengthy in nature. That's, that's yeah. his thoughts.
0: Yeah, that's right. He had this all figured out, didn't he? <laughs> he figured at best U.S. equities would bounce about their March lows. They'd kind of bounce around there. At worst, he thought they would fall further, right? And he said either way, you know, the next bull market wouldn't arrive anytime soon. Um, you know, those with faith in their hearts and cash in their wallets would not rush back to invest. Yeah. Um, you know, there'd be plenty of opportunity, he thought, to buy stocks at their n- new low prices. Um, of course, you know, it, it, well, for him, he said this was about as certain as anything he had felt yeah. about the investment markets in, in ever before.
1: Yeah, he said this was the most confident expectation he had ever had. And he was, um, he was so wrong. I mean, the S&P 500... Um, Immediately staged a powerful rally uh, starting in April, Um, really actually starting March the 23rd of 2020 was the low of the market, and um, it it, it surpassed its previous high by August, and then it added another 15% um, during the insuring, insuring six months after that. So not only... Had he envisioned an event, um, you know, he couldn't he, he could he didn't even fathom it. No one did. Right. right? I mean, right. This is not something that you can uh, predict.
0: Yeah. Although we mentioned here on the show, you know, if you go back and look at history, there is if you look at previous bear markets, once it does hit bottom, historically, it recovers a large portion of that in the first three months.
1: It does, and we i did i did go back and listen to our pandemic podcast recently, right. and we were talking about it recovering by year end. I've, obviously, we had no idea, right? I mean, right,
0: right. <clears throat> yeah, it was just based on history. We weren't really, you know, we weren't making strong predictions. We just basically said, "This is what history says."
1: Yeah. So his his economic forecast was correct, and he had expected, although the third and fourth quarter GDP rebounded from second quarter levels, they remained below that first quarter. And the destruction wrought by the COVID-19 on both economic output and unemployment exceeded what he had forecasted back in, in March of 2020. And neither was his um, stock market um, history faulty. The numbers were accurate, but it, it, it happened so much quicker. He knew it was going right. to come back. I mean, right. he knows that piece of it, but it didn't work out like he thought.
0: Right, right. That's right. I mean, it just, it's just more unpredictable than people realize, you know, but for— you know, for other reasons, this time was different, you know. I mean, during previous bear markets, stocks would rally briefly. Then they retreat, you know, as sellers kind of appeared, you know, um, kind of seeking profits from temporary higher prices. We certainly saw in 2008, you know, if you go back and think about it, John, I mean, there was there was a prolonged, you know, down period, right? Yes. I mean, it, it kind of bumped around in 2008. It bumped around all the way until March the 10th, 2009. Yep. Before it really started back up, you know, so there was these false, these kind of false rallies at the bottom. And that's kind of what he was counting on. But that didn't happen this time. This was like the fastest V-shaped recovery, you know, that you could imagine during a down market. And so that was totally different. You know, he'd take two steps forward, one step back in 2020, though. I mean, optimists overwhelmed pessimists, you know, when they rapidly. Uh, you know, investors worried not about being caught in the market's retreat, but instead, you know, missing out on the gains. So they jumped back in.
1: Yeah. So let's look at why equities recovered. And he had taken into account each one of these items, but he didn't realize and no one can realize the full implications and how things are going to um, end up. So the first thing, one of the reasons why the stock market has recovered is structural Strength. I mean, demand for stocks such as um, that caused by the, the COVID-19 virus, um, you know, it put uh, economies over the edge. I mean, if the system is wobbly because corporations are overinvested or consumers are heavily indebted, um, maybe banks are poorly capitalized and the stock market is going to feel that. But the effect spreads far beyond its original impact. But that wasn't the case in 2020. You know, we went in with a very strong um, economy and it was the 11th year of expansion, so companies were not extended, um, and uh, they had uh, they had to um, because they had not cut back on their capital investment. So neither were the consumers. I mean, adjusted for inflation, mortgage debt was well below the two thousand and seven peak, and the delinquency rates on other forms of, of debt had declined. And banks really were in good shape. I mean, they were strong, and so we went into this pandemic. And um, in, in, in strength is what it boils down right. to, and you know this isn't, of course, to deny that tens of millions of households, you know, suffered from the, the uh, COVID related shutdowns, but those problems were not caused by systematic failures. There were there were a few large companies that that were forced to declare bankruptcy, but not many, um, and right. the banks remained solvent. So the strength the strength going into it, he underestimated.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Another thing he underestimated was federal intervention. You know, um, Uh, it's big. And we've seen this. It's been big. I mean, U.S. government's response to slumping stock prices was swift and powerful this time. The Federal Reserve promptly slashed interest rates to just above zero. And they also announced they would purchase an unprecedented variety of investments, including corporate bonds. And, you know, meanwhile, Congress passed the $2.2 trillion CARES Act. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, you know. And so with each financial crisis, the government has intervened even more, ever more aggressively, seems like every time. And, you know, whether such interventions, you know, kind of court future disaster or not, you know, by suggesting the equities, investors and, and the federal officials would intervene and rescue them has not been hotly debated. Um, but, you know, what is isn't up-for question, though, are those actions immediately effective? You know, yeah. um, and they are. You know, by flooding the money, <laughs> the money into the system, the government raised the stock, you know market demand, and and thus it you know succeeded in its attempt to kind of support equity prices.
1: Yeah, so there's strength going into the the pandemic, uh, the 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 stimulus plan, and there's another one coming out now, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, the federal intervention, he underestimated that, and the third thing he underestimated is the weak, weak competition. And and Steve, interest rates, when they're so low, um, you know, there's not a lot of alternatives for people. So right. they typically take that and they'll, they'll put that money into the stock market. So the 10-year treasury um, dropped as low as 0.6%. Um, and, um, you know, the dividend yield on the S&P 500 is higher than that. So, you know, so far, stocks have resisted the challenge from rising bond yields But if fixed income yields keep increasing, um, you know, that is going to be a headwind for the markets, certainly going forward. But the the, the yields being so low, people didn't have alternatives, and they put money into the market.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So in conclusion, you know, he says he he realized the last spring that almost nobody could forecast the direction of the stock market. I mean, over the years, you know, we've seen, you know, market timers, tactical allocators fail to – appreciate the enormity of the task. And he also recognized that economists um, have, you know, enough difficulty just estimating next quarter's GDP, <laughs> yeah. never mind what's going to happen in 12 months time. So he's finally come to the conclusion it is totally unpredictable.
1: Yeah. And he, he says, I mean, he admits he, despite his experience, he deceived himself into believing that he possessed special insight. And Steve, we have that conversation with clients, Frequently, like right. I, I feel like the markets aren't going to go up or I feel they're too high. No one knows, right? That's right. And so that happened to him um, because he expected the uh, the markets to do something different than they, what they did. So, you know, I, I think this is a great takeaway. Really interesting. This guy's very experienced, very knowledgeable, and he had a feeling, right? And those feelings a lot of times lead you to making bad decisions. So, yeah, better do. approach be diversified and have a retirement plan do some rebalancing and have a process in place. Don't try to time the market
0: and check your emotions, take yes. your emotions out of the picture. They will lead you to the wrong conclusion many, many times. So don't, don't follow your gut, so to speak. Um, all right. And a good, good topic. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week.
1: Yeah. Do a retirement plan. We have retirement planning, um, a tool on our website. Um, so if you go to, uh, to uh, moneymd.net, you'll you'll get to the tool under the Resources tab or Invest RYA as well. Um, go check that out. Do do some retirement planning, Steve. I I'm finding I'm running across more and more folks that um, that are working because they don't realize that they can retire.
0: They're not comfortable. They're right. not
1: comfortable. They they haven't put all the pieces together. So that's one right. thing that we we can do is we can put the pieces together and uh, and lay out a plan. And and it's amazing the 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 planning tool that we use will give you a, an after-tax number right. um, based on the inputs, you know, pensions and Social Security and, um, you know, the amount of, of investments that you have. It'll give you an after-tax number. And oh, by the way, if you can live on that after-tax number from your budget, that's the other piece of the equation, then you can
0: you're good. You can retire. You're good, and right. It's, and it's, it's got it's, inflation built in and yeah, everything. So it, it's really projects it out, you know, all the way to age 95 or, or later. And so it just gives you a good, clear picture, gives you the confidence that you can pull the trigger on something that you that you know you want to do. So that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is, you know, if you need to save more, it will show you that. It will. Yep. Yeah. So planning is really critical when it comes to retirement. Don't guess about that. You know, start the planning well in advance of retiring. Make sure you're on track and you know where you are. And that's going to give you the confidence to make the right decision. So. All right, good prescription of the week. And this brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. And check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. You can send us your questions, link to us there, or give us a call at Richard M Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great
1: rest of the week. Have a good one.